In today's episode, we take a look behind the scenes at what really goes on at a meeting with a donor where you're asking for a donation. We'll help you explore what you need to do to be prepared and confident and ready to enjoy the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. Hi, Nancy. You know what I've been thinking a lot about this week? What have you been thinking about? I have been thinking about donor meetings, partly because I'm in the midst of doing a fair number of donor meetings, but also because I've heard from a number of people that they find them just super mysterious. Like what on earth happens in a donor meeting? And I bet people find them really scary, right? Because you think that you have this one shot at the apple, one chance. You you got one meeting with somebody who could p- potentially give you a big donation and you don't want to mess it up. And you know what? They're not scary at all. I love donor meetings. It's like the best part of my job on some level, getting to talk to someone about their values and our values, and seeing whether or not there's a match. So I thought maybe in today's episode, we should demystify a little bit about the donor meeting. Great. So what what do we need to know about it? Well, first of all, I think it's really important to know that there's no one right way to do a donor meeting. There are lots of books written about it. You can go to the library and read all you want. Um, You can talk to lots of people. Everyone does a donor meeting a little bit differently, and you should because donors are different and organizations are different. But I do think there are a couple guideposts that we can look for along our journey. Um, And maybe hearing about those ahead of time will help make you feel a little more comfortable. That makes a lot of sense. And I I think it also might, might help us to figure out who's the right person to do the donor meeting. Based on what you say, you might have some people who are really attracted to your tips here. Totally. Absolutely. And of course, before we dive in, a quick caveat about what success is in a donor meeting. I think most people think success is getting a donation. (laughs) And I want to just encourage us to think that perhaps success in our donor meeting isn't necessarily getting that commitment for a gift. In my mind, success is building a genuine relationship with someone, determining then if you share the same values and passion for your mission. And then if you don't, helping them find the fit with either your organization or another. So success in my mind is a match. Um, And that match might be with your organization or with someone else's. And your job is to help guide them toward that perfect match. Absolutely. You know, them not giving a donation now might just be a not now. It might well be a genuine relationship you're building. And that might lead to a gift 10 years from now. Uh, Totally. And, And anyone who's been doing this can point to numerous examples of that, Nancy. So I think it's really important to go into it thinking about what do I what am I going to define success as? So what do we need to know? Okay, so first, you have to start a donor meeting before the meeting. You always want to ask permission first of a donor. You don't want to catch someone cold. You know, it's not like Nancy just stops by the office and I, you know, pull her arm into mine and say, hey, how about you make a gift, right? (laughs) No, that's not a setup for success. So um, you want to ask permission from someone. Getting to the meeting is a dialogue in and of itself. It's a, a back and forth. Are you, you know, I have something, a big project, Nancy, I think you'd be interested in. Are you available sometime to talk about that? And would you be interested in learning more? I think it's a great way to also honor their time because it could be that they're rushing in and out and they don't have time to really hear what you have to say. So you're shortchanging yourself if you don't actually make time. 
Yep. And in that kind of setup to the meeting, you want to be super clear what your purpose of the meeting is. Sometimes I meet with donors just to thank them and to show them their impact. And if that's what I'm going to do, I want to be sure to state that clearly so they don't think I'm about to ask them for money. <laughs> um, and of course, other times you are going to ask someone for money. And so you want to say, you know, Nancy, I'm, I'm hoping to tell you about this exciting project and see if you're interested in supporting it. Then Nancy knows um, what kind of meeting she's coming to and how to be prepared herself. Mm -hmm. I think in your preparing, a piece of it also might be figuring out how much about nonprofits generally you need to share. That sometimes I find I'm in conversations with people and it's really clear and they're really expert in other things. So this is no way a judgment, but they just don't really understand nonprofits today. Like they might be talking about overhead a lot or they might be talking about how nonprofits can never do any advocacy whatsoever. And I might just have noticed this over time. So as I'm getting ready, I might think about how much about nonprofits do they need to know? And the last little bit to the pre-meeting thought is, are there any materials, any, any things you need to know before you actually meet with them? Like you should always know they're giving history to your organization because they'll probably remember um, they're giving history. So if it's the first time you're asking them for a gift, they'll know that. And if it's the they've been giving for 20 years, you need to acknowledge that. Um, their particular interests in your organization and just general engagement. Those are all things you kind of want to know before you go into a meeting. Um, and then is there anything that you want them to read before they come? Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not helpful, but just set it, think about the meeting and then figure out what you need to do to set it up for success. So step one before the meeting. I love that. I think it really shows that you're building a kind of a, not a strategy with a capital S, but you're thinking about this as a, a longer term relationship building. So step two is the opening, which we learned from the episode in the art of gathering. You, you know, you really only get that one chance to set the tone for the meeting at the beginning. And so what happens first really does matter. Now, of course, there's getting someone settled and comfortable and, you know, the usual social interchange about the weather or how you're feeling or, you know, whatever, all, all those things. I get it. We have to be human and interact with each other and make sure we're just sort of basically comfortable. But you want to come into that um, donor meeting with a really great, juicy, open-ended question that is related to your mission or the project that you're specifically meeting to talk to them about. And that juicy, open-ended question has to be one that you're willing to answer too. So for example, in, in my line of work, I often talk about how it is, what, what someone's story is to our sense of place um, where I live, since what I, I do is trying to help protect that sense of place. So I, I asked you here, you know, their first memories of this place or their first experience with this place. And then I'm always ready to answer that myself, because one of the things uh, that we as humans need from each other sometimes is a little bit of grace in accepting who's going to be vulnerable first. So sometimes someone will answer that question, you know, very basically, oh, I came through when I was seven and, you know, went to the ice skating rink. And it then is maybe behooves me to tell my story and maybe show a little more emotion in that story so that you kind of catch that this is a safe place. Um, where I feel comfortable telling you something a little more deep. Um, and then maybe you'll want to. Now, maybe you won't, and that's fine. But you have to be kind of willing to be a little vulnerable in that exchange about your personal feelings toward your mission so that you can see if the donor also has uh, those feelings. So you want to be human. You want to be curious uh, when they're sharing their side of the story. You want to listen. 
And then you're always looking for these connections. How do I, how do I take, you know, that your first experience here had something to do with um, the river and, you know, how can I then really gracefully tie back something to the project we're talking on and how it might, you know, preserve the river. It, you know, this this notion of making people feel comfortable and talking about vulnerability reminds me of something I read once about motivation, like what motivates people to do things. And what really struck me is it's not brain stuff that motivates us. It's not like numbers and facts and figures. It's emotions. And, and what they've shown motivates us is like creating a sense of belonging or creating a place where there's hope. Um, and also the opposite fear and being kicked out and like the either side of the emotion. But but what you're saying is, is that you're inviting you're creating a space where people feel that sense of belonging, that sense of connection, that sense of hope that because of what your organization does, they have hope that that beautiful river will continue to run with clean water. And I think what's really important in this section is that you're letting the conversation be real. Your story can't be canned. You can't have it memorized. It can't. It's got to be. It's got to be t- told as if we're in a dialogue. It and it and it needs to genuinely come from within you. If you don't have an authentic story, then you're not the right person <laughs> to be in this meeting, right? It's got to come from this really real place. And it's also really important if you have a board member with you or another volunteer or maybe another staff person, whoever's with you in that meeting, you give them space to share that story too, so that the conversation is real, it feels human, um, and we're listening to each other. And we're usually, you can find some common ground, even if what you like about this sense of place is slightly different than what I do, there's some common thread there. And you're kind of making that um, connection. And again, early on indication, if you're not making that connection, then okay, this may not be the right meeting for um, an ask. And maybe your job is to help them find the thing that does connect um, for them. So you're just having a dialogue at this point, a real conversation. So say it's really moving well and you're having this real connection. What what happens then? Yeah. So then you're getting kind of to the core of the meeting where um where you're going to need to tell them about the project and how they can be involved or your or your organization in general. And I usually again like to ask not permission maybe so much, but what would they like? You know, Nancy, do you want the whole story? I'd be happy to give it to you or do you want to just ask me questions? I think oftentimes fundraisers get the stereotype or whatever of being called a used car salesman because we like launch into our pitch, you know, and really we were just having a real conversation. <laughs> um, and then the, the tenor sort of changes because we move into our slick PowerPoint slide. And instead of just saying, hey, Nancy, what do you want? You know, because maybe you've read a lot and maybe you've done a lot of background work and you just want to ask me some questions. I'd much rather you you lead than us. But if, in fact, Nancy says, no, I'd really like you to tell me more about the project and why it matters, then you do get to you do get to start. And again, this is where it's this wonderful art, right, of being incredibly prepared and yet coming uh, across as completely authentic. It's like the natural makeup movement, right? Like to put makeup on to look like you aren't wearing it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit like that. It's right. It's like, you know, your stuff so well that you don't need to have it memorized, right? You're so committed and so passionate to this that you don't need to have it, you know, slick, slick done. So you're going to go slowly you're going to pause often. So Nancy feels like she can give me questions or input. 
And you're, you're better off showing that you care than showing you can be super smooth. Now, the caveat to that is to make sure you actually believe in what you're saying. And again, all of these tips and tools aren't meant to sound manipulative. They're meant to remind you to just be your authentic self and show up in the way that you do for your mission. Mm, I think another caveat to this uh, listening thing that is so important is really listening for where the money came from. So, so I'm thinking of several people that I know who have donor advised funds that came from their parents. And I was in a donor meeting once where it became very clear as we got into the conversation that this was this woman's mother's money. And her mother left her a donor advised fund at the local foundation. And so she was really thinking about what, what would her mom want? And in other cases, you have people who are, you know, running family foundations or somehow thinking about how that money came to them, came to them. And, and that's another piece to this puzzle that you're listening for and trying to connect to what you're, what you're talking about. Absolutely. And so again, even though you're making, you know, your best case at this point in the meeting, you're still listening, right? You're, that's mm-hmm. why you're going slow because you're giving plenty of space for Nancy to say something, interject something into our conversation and, and help me. Oh, I see what frame of mind you have. Because remember, I think we did an episode on this at some point, you know, whatever it is, I think you're thinking I'm probably wrong. (laughs) So I'm trying, I need to actually listen to you to hear what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. For sure. So then what happens? Like what, tell me about, okay, we haven't gotten to the actual ask. So, you know, I think this is maybe the um, popping of the balloon, like the deflating moment for lots of people. Like they think if I just tell you the like magic words to unlock a gift. But I will tell you that often in donor meetings, a donor already has an amount in mind. I mean, I, I feel like that happens more than half the time. So I don't ever actually get to ask. We're just kind of reaching that point where we're agreeing, wow, this is a great match. And Nancy's saying to me, I've, I've thought of my, you know, my family and I have thought about this and here's what we want to do. So if, if that happens, don't be disappointed. It's a fabulous thing that the donor was thinking about that ahead of time. And of course, you are um, so excited and graceful with receiving that gift, which we're not generally good at, right? Um, people have a hard time receiving things gracefully because you get a little embarrassed or whatever, but you can just say, thank you. Wow, that's an in- incredible support. If you actually need to ask, because maybe they aren't, um, haven't thought about it yet, then the first step is to make sure you're really good on the math side yourself. So you need to know the ins and outs of your project. How much does it cost or, or your organizational budget? If you're asking for general support, you know, what, why do we need this money? How's it going to work? And where do donors fit in? You know, if you're trying to raise $10,000, then, um, you know, how are you planning to do that? Are you going to get lots of small gifts to get to 10,000? Or are you hoping to get one donor to give five and others, you know, to fill in the gap? So really know your math and really be able to explain that to them well. If they are ready then for the ask, I actually like to have a chart, a printed chart. And people do this in lots of ways, but my way to do it is to have a a chart that shows, okay, we're trying to raise $10,000 and we're hoping to do it by having one gift at five and one at two and, you know, oh gosh, now I'm going to get stuck in my math, two at a thousand and, you know, Mm -hmm. on down to getting to 10,000. And I might show the chart 
And I might say, and on that chart, I might show that we have a couple gifts in already and at what level, not necessarily their names, but you know, who's, you know, like we're starting to fill the chart and it's so great, Nancy. And then I might say, Nancy, where do you see yourself on this chart? You know, where, you know, and sometimes if I feel like they need a, a nudge in a direction, I might point to a two or three lines in the chart and say, gosh, Nancy, I'm hoping, you know, you and your family will consider a gift somewhere in this part of our chart. It's just a nice way to um, sort of give graceful space for someone to not dis- not feel like they're disappointing you with their gift, but also to kind of get a signal of what is it you're thinking? Like what, because most donors who've agreed to a meeting with you want to help you. They don't want to disappoint you. Um, and so um, you kind of showing them where they might fall on that chart is a signal to them of this is, you know, this is kind of how you can help. So yeah, that's, that's the way I do it. It's not all that magical. You know why I love that so much is because you actually don't have a, a binary setup. Like, will you give me $10,000? Yes or no? Because then you're kind of backing them in the corner. Because if they really only wanted to give $7,500, you are making them say no. Right. And so you're not making them say no. You're laying, you're giving them a landscape to consider. And then they're saying yes to what they want to say yes to. And I think psychologically at the point where you say no, and I, I don't know the science of this, but once you get people saying no to something, then it just kind of cements a no. And that disappointment that you just talked about, I love that notion that this is a brilliant idea. Yep. And I think it's really important too to be really cautious. So some folks come with a donation in mind. Some folks need to be asked. Most of the time, if they need to be asked, they're going to ask for time to think about it. It's pretty rare for me that I leave a meeting with someone who I who hasn't thought ahead of time about what their number is, <laughs> who then in that meeting decides. Typically, people need to, to go think. And oftentimes, that's because this conversation has maybe made them think bigger about this project. And, and, and so it's a good sign, right? Like, ah, wow, this is, this is a lot to think about. You know, I, I want to go away and, and really ponder this. And maybe they have to talk to a financial advisor or another decision maker in their family or, you know, something like that. So I always anticipate that I'm not going to quote unquote close something um, in that meeting, but you always have the paperwork with you. And um, so if you are maybe in a campaign and you're taking pledges or you have a little sheet that shows the ways someone can make their gift, you know, you want to have that information for them. If your organization is able to take stock donations or does um, receive things from donor advised funds or, you know, whatever, you want to have all that information laid out for them so that they can take it with them if they're going to have to think about it and talk to someone else. Wouldn't it be nice to think of that as a true honor? That is, mm. if you are giving them information and making an ask that forces them to go have a conversation with a partner, a financial advisor, someone else, that tells me this is a significant decision. And that that isn't it an honor that they are making a significant financial decision on your behalf? Totally. Cool. I mean, uh- hundred percent. And, you know, I've gotten my office and organization like drained now, like you don't like wait and, oh, what happened? You just met with Nancy. You know, it's like, we want to give Nancy the time and space. The meeting might be just the beginning of a long time dialogue. Absolutely. So what's our word of the week? Ah, the word of the week is dialogue. 
Um, so we often use the term donor meeting, but I really like to think of um, such gatherings of people as a donor dialogue. It's a back and forth, an exchange. And I like thinking of it as a dialogue and not a meeting because it reminds me to listen and to be curious. And because it reminds me that I have something to offer them, the, the chance to put their values into action. So when I hear dialogue, I don't think power dynamics that you know put the nonprofit at the whim of the donor, which I think back to your opening statement is why some folks find this scary. Mm-hmm. I don't think we we often find dialogues scary. We find, you know, meetings or presentations scary. Um, and so I like to think of it as a dialogue, as a back and forth, a listening, a sharing. And when we shift to that mindset, the conversation is both so much more authentic and also, honestly, so much more enjoyable. I love the word dialogue because it isn't time bound. If we have a conversation, it's started and it ended. But it dialogue keeps going. And I think, you know, I didn't give you a chance to to explore the after the meeting. And I do want to ask you about that just because to me, a dialogue is ongoing. So it keeps going even after that ask, right? Absolutely. I mean, you just learned something interesting about Nancy's story in relation to your mission. So of course you send a thank you note or an email or whatever the right format is to thank someone for their time. But you also should keep down some notes for yourself um, so that you can remember and keep that dialogue going with Nancy. And then of course you make a note in your calendar if you agreed that you would follow up in two weeks, you know, then be sure you follow up in two weeks. And the dialogue keeps going over time. And we've talked a lot about fundraising here and this notion of it happens, you know, with your newsletter in a month and it happens with your fundraising event in six months and it goes on and on and on. Yep. So donor meetings can be some of the best ways to engage people who really care about your mission. They provide an opportunity for you to go into more detail and engage in real conversation about your movements. Don't be afraid of donor dialogues. When a donor accepts a meeting request to talk about a donation, the chances are they actually care about your mission. So prepare, be confident in your own potential for your organization to have an impact, listen well, and be willing to share why you are moved by your movement. If you do all those things, you've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show today. Tell your friends about the Nonprofit Radio Show and follow us on your favorite podcast app. Visit nonprofitradioshow.com for tips, tools, and free resources for nonprofits. The show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks in partnership with the Nonprofit Learning Center, delivering learning and innovation to help nonprofits thrive. Our production team is Steve Fonslet and Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. We always love to hear from our listeners. We're inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities. Mm-hmm.